Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast and, well, another win for Manchester United. Another clean sheet for Manchester United. United are now nine points clear of West Ham in fifth, having beaten West Ham for the third time this season. It wasn't pretty, maybe it didn't need to be pretty. West Ham were ultra-defensive until they conceded. It was an own goal by Dawson from Rochdale, Greater Manchester. Started out at Radcliffe Borough when my little brother was playing there and became a Premier League footballer. And tonight he's probably cursing the fact that he scored for Manchester United against West Ham. But it's three points and United have now got 12 points more than at the same stage last season. This is a little bit like saying United are the winners of the world's tallest world competition and how the mighty have fallen. And when I put comments onto social media, people say, well, how the mighty have fallen. Well, Manchester United have fallen. I think it's pretty clear to see that Manchester United have fallen since the league title was last won. But I think some progress is being made. It was never vintage every week under Sir Alex Ferguson or any other previous Manchester United manager for that week, that uh, point. But it's a big week, another big week for United. Milan is on Thursday away, 1-1 after a pretty disappointing first leg at Old Trafford. I'll be going over there and we've got a Milan fan joining us later on in the podcast. And then the FA Cup six-round game at Leicester City uh, next Sunday. Leicester won again. They hammered Sheffield United and they'd look like being United's truest contenders or rivals for the second place in, in the Premier League. Chelsea didn't win this weekend, Everton didn't win and Tottenham were beaten by Arsenal. I'm delighted to have Jamie uh, Remo with me. Uh, he joined us last week after the Manchester derby. It's a bit later this week, mate, so sorry for keeping you awake, but what, did you, right. make, what did you make of that win against West Ham? Um, it wasn't a great game, but I, actually, I, I enjoyed United's performance in the sense that um, I thought they... You know they created what you know plenty of plenty of really good chances. Um, their keeper made two or three world class saves. Uh, all right, you know it was it was a mistake if you like by them that got the goal. Although it was a you know it was a really dangerous corner for once. Um, I just thought you know what what are they supposed to do when a team and I you know I was counting at times in the first half a team sets up. With with literally nine players behind the ball, they had Antonio hovering, kind of midway in his own half, but everyone else was behind the ball, and we haven't at the moment got that, you know, got that ability to to break teams down. I know, you know, obviously people say, well, City City do it, Liverpool did it last season, yeah, they did, and we're we're not there yet. We know that, but we got the job done tonight. Um, they they played really well at the back when they had to. Um, I thought Maguire was man of the match but <laughs> I say that every week and we said it last week but I genuinely did I thought he was outstanding tonight um, yeah he was he made, he made some important blocks Luke Shaw had yeah of a, uh, yeah he was excellent well. and Greenwood was brilliant I thought you know in terms of one player who he seems to have that confidence at the moment that, um, that Rashford's lost a bit Greenwood was going at, at men and and beating them and, and making the right choices with, you know, laying it off when he 
when it was the right time to and, and, and going at people and getting behind the defence. Um, and we need that because you can't, you know, teams are pushing us onto onto the, uh, onto the you know, they, they know that the threat is coming down our left more. You know, you've got Wan-Bissaka and James on the right and with, you know, the best will in the world, those two aren't probably um, Manchester United standard. Um you know, so no, I w- definitely stronger on the left. I think yeah, we, we've picked out three or four strong players tonight. I mean, you could also pick out three or four who who underperformed. Marcus Rashford's clearly not fit yet. That was a pretty bad miss no. in the first half. Ollie Gunnar said after the game that you've got to be putting them chances away, and it, there was a feeling of same old as you touched on when teams come defensive. Twelve traffic, United do struggle to break them down. Throw into that a lack of a crowd the weird home and away form. West Ham's mm. form away from home is exactly the same or was before the match as Manchester United's at home. 1-6, drawn three, lost four. So you've seen all these weird quirks, but I was worried two weeks ago that, that the pack were catching up with Manchester United. Worried also that Manchester City had disappeared over the horizon, but the team are looking good now for a top four finish. And I think if you finish... Yeah, second, that's definite now. No, add 10 points on from last season, win the FA Cup or the Europa League, I, th- I think you've got to say that's a successful season, all things considered. Yeah, I agree completely. My worry is that um, they seem to be, you know, like Thursday night they looked they looked weary. Tonight they looked on it again, I thought. I, I thought there was, a, there was a rhythm to their play today. Yeah, they gave the ball away quite a lot in the first half, but... You know they were trying things and they were pushing and pushing and I'd rather they gave the ball away trying something than you know just keep knocking it around the box. Um, I was going to get you know a hundred passes. I'm going to get a West Ham fan onto this podcast, Nick, but he's got a bit late and he's he just said he's got to go. But he sent me some thoughts, Nick Simons. Uh, that was rubbish. Typical Moyes. If we were all yeah. like him. And Big Sam, we'd never watch football again. We play with zero forwards. Antonio is great, but so alone. And he's really a midfielder. Rice and Suicek are great, but I think Moyes um, doesn't play Benny because he he doesn't like dancers. Don't know what that means. Maybe skillful players. Um, truthfully, I've not enjoyed watching West Ham since the last game at Upton Park with a little smiley emoji after that. So... You know, he's an old school West Ham fan. I used to meet him sometimes yeah. um, before games at Upton Park. I think we all loved going to Upton Park. It was a proper traditional old yeah. old football ground. But to be fair, David Moyes, he's got West Ham into fifth. That, he has fair. Andy, but is that is that is that the limit of it? Because I was looking at that tonight, thinking I couldn't watch that every week. It was I, dire. I it really was, and. You know, I watched it, you know, obviously I watched United under Moyes and, you know, obviously he, he wasn't a Manchester United manager, but that tonight was just... Because they're not... They've got some good players like like that that West Ham lad there said. They've, they've got good players. Um, they should have beaten us at their place. Let's have it right. They they pushed us right to the limit and we, you know, whatever, was it 3-1 in the end we beat them? But it wasn't a 3-1 match. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's... Um, I just it, it's disappointing when you know teams are coming, and I know you can you can argue well it's functional, and he knows how to play against Man. Everyone knows how to play against Manchester United currently, but he wasn't going to get anything better than a nil nil, was he? 
And, and Jamie Redknapp was wittering on at half-time, saying, oh, he's, he's going to be happy with this. Well, he wasn't happy ten minutes later when his defender knocks the ball in his own net, is he? And then they change it up, and they really do threaten United for the rest of the game. And you think, I don't know, why, why didn't you give it a go? I, d- I don't understand. I really don't. But I don't know, maybe that's... Um, Maybe it's the you know the hard facedness of a manager who, if he gets European football, he keeps his job and he uh, you know he, he ticks the boxes for a board that that need that extra money. So back to your original um, point there about West Ham. Well, one, I don't think I could watch football at the the London Stadium every week. I'm I'm not a fan of it. Well, Christ, no. <laughs> Two, I went to see the Manuel Pellegrini a couple of weeks ago. David Moyes um, was obviously came after him the first time, and then David Moyes came back. And Pellegrini was saying that one, he was very fond of West Ham and his time there. He, he really felt an affinity with the people. Two, um, he felt that he'd convinced the board that just staying up wasn't sufficient for a club like West Ham. That they should really push for Europe, and he admitted his own failings at West Ham which led to him being sacked I don't think he'd been sacked in mid-season before in his entire career and Pellegrini's been a very successful football manager I asked him about Declan Rice and he said that he felt he could play uh, he said bigger club and then he sort of went back because you know West Ham's average gate 60,000 so it's yeah. I think what he meant is a club which is expected to win titles and West Ham are not that uh, he also spoke well of, of Antonio because some West Ham fans have criticised him for not playing him as a as a striker. Um, what else did he say about West Ham? I mean, he brought in uh, Yarmolenko, Jack Wilshire, Felipe Anderson. Um, he said he, we really suffered when Fabianski was injured. I thought Fabianski was excellent against United. That's me talking, not not Pellegrini. And oh, he was brilliant tonight. Yeah, like I say, two two brilliant saves. Um, he said my challenge was to put West Ham in Europe something I'd done at all the other clubs I'd been at but I failed so I said you'd spent a lot of money um, Pablo Fornals, Sebastian Haller um, so many of them failed to meet uh, expectations but he, he didn't speak badly of the board a lot of people felt that David Sullivan David Gold had all the power there but no he just said uh, it, it, it was down to him ultimately so I mean, United have beaten three times this season and knocked West Ham out the FA Cup. I think if West Ham were to finish fifth, that would just be seen as a, a, a success, even though they seem so so uninspiring. But as you say, they've got some top players. They were really good in that first half at their place. Yeah, they were. And I, the interesting one for me is is whether United um, would pursue Rice. Uh, I don't. I watched him. I've watched him a few times and I, I just don't see he's a massive upgrade on what we've got. No, I agree. I, agree I think he's, he's, he's functional and he does some, he, you know, he can have he, have, he has great spells in some games and you think, oh, there's a player, but then he drifts out. And I, I think, you know, I think, yeah, we, we, we've got that kind of player. We're okay for that kind of player. It, it's someone who's someone who's going to break down defences. Um and and be that a bit more lively around the box and and pick that pass or or you know ping a shot in you know we look at you know, McTominay shooting is good but Fred's is woeful and we're not uh, you know we're not really testing keepers enough 
you know, it's another thing. You know, when 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 these teams are sitting back, is is you know let one fly and uh, you know just change it a bit. Anyway, we've had a few questions sent in from readers. Um, this okay, is from Waterford in Ireland. Uh, is Calvert Lewin a centre forward option in the summer? Thank you. Uh, watching that first half, I don't know about you, Jamie, but United looked like they needed a centre forward. They looked like they needed a number nine. I fear that Cavani's season's going a little bit flat now. He's not playing yeah. enough matches, which is a shame because he's clearly, he's clearly brilliant. Uh, I think United definitely wanted a number nine. They need someone who can score inside the box and, and occupy yeah. defenders. Uh, Calvert-Lewin, well, he, he definitely does that. I know that he's got admirers. He lives in Manchester. Um, but Everton are not going to... Everton have got money now, haven't they? They're not going to sell. Yeah, I don't... I don't <clears throat> There's not I'd, many I'd number a... nines about. There's not many. No, I agree. I agree. There's one, you know, there's one out there who everyone's going to be after this summer, but whether he moves or whether the price is right or whether he wants to come to United, obviously I'm talking about Haaland. Yeah. But we, yeah, I mean, uh, Calvert-Lewin, I don't know. I, I've, I've probably not seen enough of him. Um, but, yeah, he'd be an option. Uh, we need, we desperately need someone. But, you know, Christ, to get him away from Everton right now, you're going to be paying stupid money. And I don't know, is he the kind of kid that a price tag might weigh heavily on? Um, we don't know, but it could do. And, and I think, for my money, that would be too much of a risk. I think the point is, and we saw it again tonight, not having a player really close in. Rashford was in the right position, and after 24 minutes with that header, yeah, it's a Van Nistelrooy, it's a goal poacher, and Oli yeah, it on is. It after the game. If you look where Calvert Lewin scores his goals from, a lot of them are very, very close to, to goal. I don't think United will be any weaker yeah. with a player like. Like no, no, probably not. But it would cost you probably 60, 70 million. So, yeah, so is that the priority? And maybe you yeah. um, against that. It is the priority. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure on him. But, you know, do you, do you pay an extra 20 or 30 million for someone who's absolutely guaranteed? Class, yeah. Yeah, and Haaland will be will be another 20 or 30 million on top of that. You know, he's going to be up towards 150. I just don't know, Andy. I, to be honest, um, I, yeah, I, I'm, you know a lot more than me about about kind of European-level strikers out there who might be available this summer. Uh, but it's something I think we've got to break the bank on because, you know, defensive, defensively, although people would have said you, you still need a centre-half, and, and we probably still do, but... I don't know. For me, well, it's it's up front that we need. That's that's where we should be really looking to uh, to spend big. You know, you're looking at lots of players and, and looking at lots of centre halves, and I've touched on a couple of them in in recent weeks. And yeah. that doesn't mean that there's going to be one signed, but the, the scouting several players very very closely. The financial situation. Well, we saw a little bit of that recently with the the financial figures. And then we saw last week about the was it Avram Grant taking seventy million out. It just depresses me when I see stuff like that. The amount of money which Glazer yeah. to take out of the club, and it just brings me back to how on earth was that takeover ever allowed to happen? That highly leveraged takeover in two thousand and five, and 
I think there's still a hangover for that. I know the club commercially have been very successful. I wouldn't expect any club to compete financially with a rival who are backed by a sovereign state, as, as effectively PSG and Manchester City are. But it's not the ideal ownership model, is it? No, God, no. Um, I don't know what is, if I'm honest. No, uh, no, I agree. There's nothing now because you know you get you know obviously we've seen the the uh, the furore with Newcastle and uh, and Saudi Arabia. Um, but over even, even Barcelona, months. which I thought was a, a very good model for a long time, I've just see it, seen it come apart at the seams with politics and yeah. The, the, the big problem with their model is humans. <laughs> they try and rip everything. <laughs> exactly. <up>. Yeah. <laughs> which, which humans are always. Everywhere. I did power, laugh at a tweet from um, from Rick, who does our front covers. Imagine if West Ham get into Europe. The two captains shake hands. Sergio Ramos hands over a Real Madrid pennant. In exchange, Mark Noble puts a pound of pears in a brown bag and seals it by spinning it around twice. I, uh, <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> We've yeah, I don't, I don't normally laugh at anything he says, but uh, yeah, that's all right. I've just got a last couple of questions. Um, Andy, um, let's see now. Was someone asking who United are going to be going in for for the summer? Well, I think we've just we've just touched on that. Uh, yeah. Someone asking me about how United's fan base needs to get behind Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. I think most people are behind him. Yeah, I think they are. I think they, I think. Yeah, I think the match-going fan base are. I think there's, there's still a lot, and we touched on that last week. A lot of. Uh, you know, a lot on the internet. And there's still questions to be answered. Don't get me wrong. You know, you know that. I know that. The, the style of play and that, you know, the the questions about teams who come and sit back and not, you know, having a different, you know, a different plan B, if you like, when teams do that and being able to break them down regularly. Um, but I'm comfortable. And, I, and, I, and the, you know... I suppose I don't know whether you've been asked the question about the you know the whole director of football thing. I thought that was quite interesting in the week. Yeah, but... I should have talked about that actually. I mean, I've, I've mentioned Darren Fletcher quite a lot uh, yeah. in my writing or or in the podcast, and someone who I've had a lot of communication with. Uh, I really respect him. I think he was a, mm. a good player. I think he talks really well. He thinks about football really well. I've seen him at a lot of games recently where he observes from. A different angle at the back of the stands and I just speak to him at half time and, and ask him his thoughts and, and it can be like really open questions like and I'm not recording him when I'm speaking to him I just say to him what are Watford trying to do here and he just breaks it down in a way that his knowledge of it is so superior to what I know because he's been there and he can, he can yeah. articulate it so you get some players who, who know what to do but they can't articulate it so just be, him being able to break down Watford's midfield doesn't mean he's the right necessarily the perfect choice to be technical director but I think he'd be a huge loss if he was allowed to go to somewhere else I think he's a big talent he knows the club he's been living locally he's had a little bump after his time at Stoke which didn't go so well and I, I, I'm cautiously optimistic about, about Darren working I know he's got a good relationship with Ollie. Ollie wanted him to come in so I think he could be a big plus. Um, John Murta, no John, 
he's been there since January 2014. Um, Manchester lad, United fan. Doesn't really doesn't really say that about himself, but he is. And I think he's very good on the admin side. And I've seen him, just watched him operating where parents are coming up to him, agents coming up to him. <clears throat> and he, I, I just think he's... He's a good fixer. He's a good facilitator. The proof will be in the pudding as to their success. You know, if United are ninth this time next year, everyone's going to be getting slaughtered. And also, they need power as well. Uh, they need to have you know, Darren sees a player, and it will go through the normal recruitment process. But I think his voice should be a big one in that, and I think it is already. I think he's yeah. he's absolutely watching players very very closely. And his and his opinion is respected, and he's not naive to politics and mechanisms of football either. Um, and I just I just trust his judgment. Basically, if, if he says to me, "This player is worth uh, is going to be good," or "Here's my doubts about him," then I trust his judgment. I think eventually he could become a very a very good football um, manager. So I'd, I'd, I'd wish him well. Do you think that's his ultimate aim? I don't think he knows that himself. I think he's he went to West Brom after United. Uh, he, he he had to get out of United, and it's nothing to do with United. But I don't think Louis Van Gaal um, was a favourite of a lot of players. And no, Stoke, no fans. Stoke didn't work out well for him, uh, and I think we just if we've interviewed people in United, we stand over the years, and we've done it thirty years now. He's like top five interviews in terms of the way he speaks about football and the way he can articulate his, his, his thoughts on it. And he's a bit of a football nerd as well. He's a football geek. He, he tells me that he can't watch games as a fan. He can't relax because he, he's just looking for the tactical formations. And he knows, you know, he, he knows that uh, how the football landscape is. He's aware of it because he's been engrossed in it for a long, long time. You could ask him about um, Atalanta or maybe even Bergamo, um, sorry, Bologna, and he'd know about them. And it's not his job to know like an analyst knows, but I just think he's got a good football judgment. Um, I think he's, his personality, I think he's quite charismatic as well, actually, when, when he can hold his own as well. And I think if he's a representative for Manchester United, I think, I think that's a, a decent thing. Um, we've got another question from Zwiewicz. I always pronounce this wrong. Uh, my question for the podcast is, how does the purported bromance with Roy Keane and Mika Richards end? A Technicolor Sky One travel series or a crime programme featuring the pusher? <laughs> you can answer that one. Do you watch them together? Um, I, I'd be honest, Andy. I, I tend not to watch the kind of um, the pundit bit. If I can avoid it, I do. I I, I like Keane, but I, 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 it seems to be a bit of a kind of caricature now. Yeah, yeah. Him and Mike, him and Michael Richards, and it's a bit like, oh, Roy's gonna tear someone a new arsehole here. You watch, and it's a bit like I don't know. I I can't get that excited about it. Um, Michael Richards is obviously being built up, and and you know he's he's a likable guy. Um, you know, lad from Leeds pretending he's 
big city and all that. Well done, Mike. Um, I think, yeah, I'm never going to get past the city thing, I suppose, with him. Um, I did speak to a former Blue last week on the radio, Ned and Manua, and I was really impressed. Yeah, he comes, really a, he, he comes across a bit more... I, I heard him on Five Live this morning, actually, and he comes across um, a bit more genuine than Micah Richards. Yeah. Um, but that's all I'll say. I mean, I, yeah, I don't want to be—I don't want to be horrible about people, but uh, which is unlike me. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I do tend to turn off a bit when them two get going, or when Sooners starts. You know, they're there to generate publicity. At the end of the day, Sky want—you know—they know that if Keane has a row with someone, or or Sooners rips into someone, or you know, they have a little giggle about someone's hair, or someone puts their hand on Carragher's lap. Or Neville tweets Carragher about his own goal. It, it's just it's just banter, and I can't be doing with it. it it's all news <laughs> to me because normally I'm at the matches, so you don't you don't see any of this because you're, you're there I know. and see people it... talking about it and it going viral. This this has just been a, a lockdown thing because if you're at the yeah. game, you're not you're not going to see any of it. You, you might get some comments or hear some comments. So and so has just said this or that on Sky. And um, before we come to our Milan fan uh, he was a big ultra when he was younger by the way but he's not going to say that um, I, pro- it- I probably knocked, knocked him out a couple of times <laughs> I'm researching the United game in Milan in 05 Mike of the behaviour of United fans is not coming across yeah. well at all no, no. I'm going through God, I remember that. it's horrific but you might laugh at this this is from Christopher who sent me a message uh, Christopher Constantine Babette. Right. This came in on Friday night. Hey Andy, poor result last night, but I thought I'd make this song up for Ahmad and it might cheer you up. It goes to the tune of Come On Eileen and he's actually sent it to me. See if you can hear this. Come on Ahmad, send the strength for he'll go past you. Oh come on Ahmad. Christ. <laughs> he sent the message back two days later. Apologies for the awful singing. Well, I'm the lyrics, pal. <laughs> I said we'd be fair when we were getting feedback from people, so there you go. So you're not going to be singing that? No, no, I'm, I'm not a huge singer at the best of times, but no, that's uh, that's awful. Sorry, pal. You know, nice thoughts, and and uh, you know, I'm sure keep keep trying, but uh, I, I don't see that one catching on anytime soon. We've not got an advert for um, Manscaped uh, today, but oh. I'm going to uh, I'm going to treat you to um, one of their packs. It is actually decent, and if you want the truth of it, I tried to buy it for you on on Thursday, and when it came to pay, the the page crashed. So there you go. <laughs> You've mostly got an right. issue there, so I'm going to try and do well, that, and you can get all your, your ball trimmers or whatever it is. But it, 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 uh, it, is, it, is, it is decent. No, I'm looking forward to that, and I will uh, I will review on a uh, a future podcast. Oh, you give us um, an honest review. You're lotus to yeah, the will. to tell them tell them exactly whether it's worth buying or not. Absolutely, they'll want honesty. They'll get brutal honesty. We've got a couple of readings on this uh, podcast. And then after that, we've got a 
Milan fan on and I'll start recording the next podcast in Milan this week and thanks for joining us Jamie cheers mate take care you know what's not fair the fact that Netflix hides thousands of shows and movies from you based on your location and then has the nerve to increase their prices on you that's right they've just raised the prices once again now you could just cancel your subscription in protest or you could be smart about it and make sure you're getting your full money's worth by using express vpn see you might not know what's on netflix in your country is completely different from somewhere else in the uk or what japan has on theirs if you use express vpn you can control which country you want netflix to think you're in express vpn has over 90 countries to choose from So every time you run out of stuff to watch, you can just switch to another country and unlock new shows. And here's the best bit. It's not just for Netflix. You can use ExpressVPN to unlock shows on other streaming services too. ExpressVPN is also super fast and works on your phone, laptop, even smart TVs so that you can watch shows on the big screen with zero buffering. So be smart. Stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting access to a fraction of their content. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com slash united. Don't forget to use our link so that you can get three months extra free. That's expressvpn.com slash united. Expressvpn.com slash united. Go there to learn more. I'm delighted to welcome another guest to this United We Stand podcast. Alexio is a friend of mine for a long time. Uh, he lives in Milan. He's in Milan now and he's a lifelong AC Milan fan. He's someone who's seen the greatest teams in the world and he's seen his team fall a little bit in the last uh, decade. Alexio is the man who is interviewed in the current issue of United We Stand. If you've not seen it, check it out. He's really interesting when he talks about the fan culture in Milan, San Siro and stuff like this. But uh, thanks for joining us just before Thursday's game, Alexio. I just wanted to ask you, what was the reaction in Italy after Milan played at Old Trafford and in the eyes of many played really well and probably deserved to, to, to win the game? Uh, you know, we were, uh, we, were, we were not expecting um, a match like this. And uh, we were always, uh, obviously we are very pleased and uh, I think we maybe you uh, underestimated us. I mean, it's just like when we played against Red Star. We thought it was a quite a crap team, and uh, maybe you did the same with us. Yeah, you know what? We uh, we thought the same about us ourselves. <laughs> so I was uh, uh, very delighted to see the, the match, and uh, I didn't expect a match like this. And I still think you are stronger, and I still think you will unfortunately beat us. But anyway. Is it's, it's fine because we need a, a match like this because we are in the middle of the season. It has started very well and it's not going so well right now. So we needed a match like this, you know, to take some courage in ourselves. So it's fine. It was a young Milan team, one which was missing a lot of players, but they were really impressive, especially in the first half. Uh, yeah, sure, you're right. But uh, you have also, you're missing some, some players too, no? Like Rashford yeah. and uh, Drogba and uh, Cavani. And so, yeah, we are a young team and uh, uh, especially some players like uh, Krunic, 
like Meite, you don't know nothing about them, and uh, you have a reason about that. And uh, they play a really good match. And um, and I say, it, it was like a turning point for them, because they didn't do very well since then. And so now they, uh, they, they start like, you know, a new... A fresh new start with AC Milan in uh, their career. I don't know, you know, you know what I mean. I mean, because Krunic played well after also against uh, uh, is expecting to play tonight, uh, so against Napoli. So we'll see. I spoke to the United manager Oli Gunnar Solskjaer the day before the game and asked him what his reaction was when United drew AC Milan, and it was oh no, my my <laughs> luck in in the draw because United have had some really difficult draws in the Champions League group. Uh, RB uh, Leipzig were in there, Paris Saint-Germain were in there in the League Cup. Manchester United have drawn Everton away, for example, Brighton away, um, Manchester City in the semi-finals. You expect a difficult team in the semi-finals. Liverpool in in the FA Cup. And I know a lot of United fans felt similar because the name of AC Milan is one of the greatest names in, in the world in terms of football. But when I spoke to Milan fans, it was exactly the, the, the opposite. It was, oh shit, Man United. <laughs> so you had both of these teams bigging up each other probably because, because of the name, uh, what it symbolised. When I saw the game at Old Trafford, I, I felt it was a bit of a... A letdown for two reasons. Europa League is, is not the Champions League European Cup, but also with no fans, it makes such a huge difference. If if I remember back to the great games between United and, and AC Milan, the fans were a big part of that. The, the 10,500 sure. who were there in San Siro in 2005, uh, those great games in, in 2010. And, and when all that's gone, it, it's, it's just not the same, is it? Yeah, sure, sure. But you're right. I mean... Uh... Mm, I'm pleased that you had the kind of reaction, but honestly, I mean, you're still in the, also in the last years. You're you've been still a, a a big team. I mean, with some good achievement. And uh, while we have really a bad ten years period, you know what I mean. We we've been through really some bad years. And this this year maybe we're we're starting to, um, you know, getting back to where we belong. I mean, uh, the highest position in the league uh, and maybe, we hope, Champions League next year. But uh, as I said before, um, um, I mean, there's still a big difference between the two clubs, honestly. I mean, I hope we will be right now where you are now. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and I, know, I know what you're saying because the Premier League financially is far stronger than Serie A. It's like Serie A in the 80s was the place to go to. It's where the best... British players uh, went to and I know that the Premier League is is viewed like that now um, uh, globally and uh, the, the Milan of, of the noughties sure, which, right. which won, won in 2007 and you know, won in 2003 in, in, in Manchester reached the final in 2005 I, I forget who won that game um, they started to descend after 2012 am I right in thinking when the Berlusconi associates sure. started pulling money out and Sank quite low. What was the lowest moment after Milan started to to drift downwards? <laughs> we have so many. Um, I would say, I would say, uh, last year uh, in uh, oh no, it was maybe January last year. We lost in Bergamo against Atalanta against Atalanta for five to nil. It was so humiliating, you know. It was like 
I mean, seeing another club, not uh, I mean a, a big, a big club, destroying us like this, it was very humiliating. And like to me, it was maybe the lowest point we reached. But since then, we start to improve, and uh, we have a, a great end of the season after you know the lockdown period. And uh, we had a great season since now because uh, we were not expecting to win the league. None of us, none of us. So even being in second place for us now is, uh, is something we want to, we're not expecting for, you know? And uh, our main goal this year is to get back to the Champions League. That's the main, our, you know, in Italian we call it Scudetto. Our, our uh, being champion this year is getting back to the Champions League. Because last season, as you say, Milan had a terrible season, finished the league strongly, finished in yeah. sixth position, got that last place in the Europa League, which you're, you're still obviously in that competition now. And this season in comparison has been has been fantastic. Maybe, sure. maybe sure. it doesn't make you smile at Inter atop and looking like uh, the favourites. Inter full of former Manchester United players, but it is one of the great footballing cities and... I'm going to be fortunate enough to be there and hopefully see you this week. Um, you mentioned, and, and I'll do a podcast um, fr- fr- from Italy, you mentioned Bergamo, that is Atalanta. They've been one of the success stories of, of Italian football. And I'm going, sure. to, I'm going to actually go to Madrid to watch them play on Tuesday and then go from there to, uh, to Milan. When you watch a small team like Bergamo doing so well, I mean, their stadium was like 18,000 seats before they started spending money on it. Um, what does that make you feel that they're a very, very well-run club and Milan just were not in recent years? Yeah, yeah, that's it basically because they are in a... Uh, their, um, the owner is a, is, a, is, a, is a family and he's working on the club in a very good way. Uh, planning year after year, improving year after year, starting with young players, selling their best players, and I don't know how, finding every year new players, you know? And uh, yeah, it, it was like, you know, it's like a, maybe somehow like a Leicester in, a, in the UK some years ago. But Leicester won the league. And uh, I think Atalanta will never win the league here in Italy. But however, they're a big reality. They're not just, you know, uh, one year wonder is there I guess, I guess like three or four years they are in a champion Champions League or in Europa League uh, and sure is a uh, it's a little bit frustrating for us because uh, Bergamo is so close to Milan it's like uh, half an hour and uh, but they are a to- uh, um, they have their own reality and um, I have to admire them because uh, they built uh, uh, a club and uh, it was a uh, you know before like 10 years ago Atalanta was the typical club that was struggling to stay in Serie A sometimes getting falling down in Serie B then uh, getting promoted and so on and then in the last 10 years it, it became um, one of the best Italian teams uh, and uh, he's playing a really good football and last year you know if you remember it was uh, Beaten by Paris Saint Germain at the last minute, so it was. Uh, it, I, you know, I it won't be. I won't be surprised if uh, they will have a, a great match in Madrid. I would not be surprised by that. And one of their players, although he didn't establish himself in the first team, Ahmad, he actually scored the goal at Old Trafford against Milan, and he was yeah. set up by Bruno Fernandez and. 
his professional career started out at Novara. Again, it's just on the other side of Milan. It's very close to, to Milan. So yeah, sure. when you're an anorak like me, you, you pay attention to these stupid little quirks of football. And then I noticed that your equaliser was scored by um, Simon Kajar. I probably pronounced that wrong, but I, I interviewed him last year and he was quite outspoken. He was playing for, for Sevilla. Um, it was just before sure. he went to, to Milan and... It was quite interesting because he talked about the great derby games that he played at because he's been quite a lot. He's played in Rome, he's played in Seville, and he's played Istanbul in, too. He played, yeah, yeah, and um, he, he talked about playing in Istanbul in in the derby there, and he was quite outspoken about how poor Man United were when he played against them for Sevilla in 2018 but one other thing he's a Liverpool fan he's a big Liverpool fan <laughs> his dad's a Liverpool did, fan so I didn't know that I didn't know that he's absolutely shame on Simon shame on Simon yeah <laughs> what do you think of, of, of San Siro because for me it's the best stadium in the world from the outside I'm not saying from the inside because I know it needs money spending spending on it but when you walk up to that stadium it's like a giant spaceship has landed with these big red girders on the top and maybe it's my age maybe I've got fond memories of Italia 19 it was rebuilt for that and it just seems like the most pure huge wonderful football ground and the other huge grounds the disappointing from the outside Camp Now it, it, mm-hmm. it, it's it's nothing from the outside uh, the Bernabeu is good Old Trafford mm, you know it's not as good as San Siro but I'm not living on the doorstep like you are I'm not going to games there all the time like you are in normal circumstances and, and also I know there's been issues with it being owned by the city council and that's why other clubs in Italy have have done their own thing with the stadium, Juventus with Deli Alpi, for example, because they needed sure. to own their own stadium. What's the situation in, in Milan? Do, do you love your wonderful stadium or, or not really? <laughs> Desperately love our beautiful stadium. And, you know, for me, it's, uh, it's quite emotional. I get quite emotional because, as I said before, uh, nearly from my window, I can see San Siro. And uh, growing up in this neighborhood, since I was a you know, kid, I was hanging around San Siro, even, even uh, I have the season ticket for Milan for what was like uh, 13 years old, and, uh, and I used also, also to see some uh, Inter, when I was too young to go to away matches, I used to even to go to see Inter, so it's, uh, it's really sad for me the idea to uh, tear down San Siro, and you know, because even because they want to build a new stadium right, right near, you know, nearby, it's like uh, uh, it, it's, it's strange, but you know, as I said before, um, Juventus uh, built his fortune his last ten years on his new stadium, and um, in a lot of different, you know, you know in um, I see in um, in England too, a lot of clubs are, uh, you know, Arsenal and uh, Tottenham built a new stadium, so. Maybe, maybe to 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 be to turn back to be a big club, you need you need it. You know what I mean? It's a sacrifice you have to do. But I but, would prefer. But, but Arsenal Stadium held thirty eight thousand. Tottenham held thirty four thousand. They had to move because it was too small. Mm. Arsenal's new ground holds sixty. Tottenham's new ground holds sixty one. San Siro holds eighty. It, it's yeah. perfect. I, I understand. 
um, the, the need to modernise it, but surely you can't, and I'm not an architect or an engineer, but it's already been built. Maybe you can do something to reduce the capacity, but just modernise it from the inside. Uh, that, that would be a better, you know, the better idea would be to modernise it, not to tear it down. I don't know, I don't know, you know. It's, it's very sad, it's very sad, because we really need, want to be to, to become an important club again, and on the other side, we all love San Siro. No one would ever say, no, it's okay to, we, we, I don't like it. No one, no one. Um, and, and the Milan side, Inter side, okay. and I think also uh, other Italian supporters, you know? No one will say, I don't like San Siro, because uh, as you say, it's such a beautiful stadium. It's like, uh, um, I mean, it's not so important or it's so historical, but it's like Marassi in Genoa. Everybody likes it. Yeah, Genoa Stadium is is beautiful, and yeah. But to me, to knock down San Siro, it, it is it's like knocking the Colosseum down in Rome. You don't do it. <laughs> you just don't do yeah. it. It's it's built and it's amazing. Unless you're telling me living locally that it's falling apart on the inside. No, you know, uh, I mean, I mean, I don't know why they can not modernize it. I'm not an architect, so I don't know. But uh, you know, we. Surely we need uh, to make money on the stadium. Surely we need a new stadium to modernize the club. But what, 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 you mean money from like executive seats and uh, private boxes, these type of things, or is the issue that the city council own the stadium and Milan don't own the stadium? No, because the, the, the matter is that it's not, it's not the, the city, the city council that want to turn it down. Are, is, are the clubs... Uh, Milan and Inter want to build a new stadium. The, the, the city council doesn't want to tear it down San Siro. So it's, it's, it's not like, it's not the, the, I mean, the, the city says you have to tear it down San Siro. It's more the clubs. They think that maybe with a, a different kind of stadium we will improve their, you know, um, the money they're getting to the clubs. Tell them they're crazy. They're getting more money. Tell them they're completely crazy. <laughs> completely crazy. I'm going to uh, I'm going to go to Milan City, um, the, the the headquarters of both clubs this week, and have a one man protest with a flag. That's okay, what I'm going to do. <laughs> That'll get in the local <laughs> newspaper, won't it? Crazy Englishman okay. <laughs> in lockdown times. So I look forward to seeing you um, th- this week in Milan uh, from a social distance. I hear the food is okay in Italy, so maybe we can have something to eat. Sure, sure. And Don't worry about that. What do you think about the, the game? You, from what you were saying, you still think that Manchester United are, are favourites to go through to the next round? Yeah, yeah, I am. I am. I mean, uh, as I said before, I'm really, really um, happy about the, the match in Manchester. But however, I think you have better players. And as I say, I don't, don't think that maybe you played... I, I, was, I was, you know... Uh, you played a very slow football. I mean, I, I don't think you used to play like this always. No, no. It, you? it was really slow and ponderous in the first half with players taking too many touches. It was really poor from Manchester United. I just, I, I just think you played like the first 10 minutes in the second half and then you say, okay, die. okay the game is over, is, we won. and uh, we don't, I mean, we're cool with that. I mean, and so I think when you, obviously you want to, to pass... I mean, to, to, to win. And so I think you play a different game. And you have better players than our, than our 
than ours, you know? So uh, we'll see, we'll see. But anyway, I'm, I'm still pleased about the, uh, the, the man in Manchester. Is, uh, so we'll see, we'll see. But anyway, I still think you're stronger than us. And are United respected in, in Italy as one of the... Sure, you know, as you say, as you say when, you, when you think about, uh, I mean, uh, I mean when, you, when you think about the football, football, when you think about the clubs in Europe, and you say England, you, say, you think about uh, Manchester United, you think about Liverpool, sorry, and uh, these are the clubs that made history in the English football. I mean, yeah, you have now the city, okay, but it's not the kind of, uh, you know, history of, uh, so when you think about football, you think about uh, Liverpool and Man United. It's like, I think when you think about football in Italy, you think about uh, Juventus, Milan and Inter, that's it. Or you think in Spain, you think about Real Madrid, you think about Barcelona, you think about Atletico, that's it. I mean... Are the class and the history of football in Europe? It's been really nice to speak to you, and I look forward to seeing you this week. Thank you. 2021 is looking up, which means there should be plenty of new opportunities for you to grow your business, whether you're shifting business hours or hiring more remote employees. One thing that remains unchanged is the importance of having the right people on your team. When you're ready to make that next hire, LinkedIn Jobs can help by matching your role with qualified candidates so that you can find the right person quickly. And to lend a helping hand, your first job post is free. LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with more than 30 million members in the UK. Getting started is easy and their new features can help you find qualified candidates quickly. Post a job with targeted screening questions and they'll quickly get your role in front of qualified candidates. Manage job posts and contact candidates from a single view on the familiar LinkedIn.com as functions are streamlined onto one simple screen. And now you can do this all from your mobile device, no matter where in the day takes you. That's how LinkedIn Jobs can help you hire the right person faster. When your business is ready to make that next hire, find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. And now you can post a job for free. Just visit LinkedIn.com slash United. Again, that's LinkedIn.com slash United to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.